0: everybody. This is Perry with DMN. I'm here with Matthew Harris of Yahoo, and we're going to talk today about the Hispanic demographic and its growing spending power and why marketers should care. Uh, Matthew, could you just uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and your role and you know why this is an interesting subject to you?
1: Uh, sure. Thank you. I've been with Yahoo all told about five years. This is my second tenure here. Um, worked at Univision for several years. All in, I have about 16, 17 years experience working in Hispanic media. It's something I've been passionate about for a long time because I believe in the audience, I believe in the consumer, um, and I believe in helping marketers and advertisers reach this audience the best way possible. In my current role, I lead the U.S. Hispanic sales team here at Yahoo and we work. With general market agencies and with Hispanic agencies, as well as uh, many different internal stakeholders, mm. to achieve our our objectives and help our partners achieve achieve theirs.
0: Very interesting. I uh, I did do a couple stories for DMN, uh, a while back about this is the specific audience, the Hispanic audience, mm-hmm. and how that that segment was growing. Excuse me. <clears throat> what are what are some of the things you're seeing out here, like as far as uh, the expanding demographic and you know spending power and all that?
1: Uh, well, some of the things that we're seeing are. What's a very popular topic these days is acculturation and Hmm. millennial Hispanic. Um, You know, if you go back 15 years ago and you look at census data and you look at the Hispanic demographic in the U.S., you'll find that the growth, which there was growth and there continues to be growth, but the growth then was being driven by immigration uh, largely. And now we see that growth being driven. The principal factor driving that growth is birth rate. So what that means is you have a lot of bicultural Hispanics, if you will, right Growing mm-hmm. up with one foot in each culture. Um, I have strong cultural ties to where my family is from and what goes on in my household in terms of language, food, music, sports, traditional passion points, but outside of the home. Um, if a child has grown up here in the US there's you know all these other factors at play, so they grow up speaking both languages, one you know speaking English at school and with friends and maybe speaking Spanish at home. Um, another dynamic we see in Hispanic households traditionally is that it's more likely that there's a multi-generational, I should say more than two generations um, in, a, in a household. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times if you have an, the older generation, grandma or grandpa may only speak uh, Spanish, right, at home. So that will not, for lack of a better term, it will force people in the household to speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that creates an interesting dynamic. And then as as a millennial Hispanic has grown up here, other influences, media culture, uh, everything that's happening around them in their daily lives will, will change, you know, and shape who they become as young adults. And that was kind of at the crux of one of the studies that we did recently in, in conjunction with our Insights group about third-generation Hispanics. Super interesting. Um, we can get into that a little bit if you want to. Yeah, but, okay. you know, you, you asked a question about spending power and what it what it means and why is this demographic important to somebody who's selling or providing services Um, There's, you know, about $1.7 trillion in spending power in the Hispanic market projected out to 2019 or 2020, I believe. Um, The size of the prize is is no joke. It's a a huge deal. Um, And if you look at, you know, some of the economic factors that have shaped marketing and advertising and the economy in general over the last 10 years, you think about the housing crash, you think about, um, you know, the, the Great Recession the Hispanic demographic is one that is tried and true in terms of delivering ROI for advertisers. They're great consumers. They're loyal to brands. They have disposable income. So the ones who get it and who get it right have really, really, they have a lot to show for it. And companies who either fail to address the market or run the risk of assuming that their general market or or total, total planned market is Jargon, sorry. Um, <laughs> media is working for them in the Hispanic market. They run the risk of missing the boat, and um, uh, that—that's that's where we come in. That's where we try to help, consult, advise, and, and just assist in any way we can.
0: Yeah, um, you mentioned the, how they're not general market. Can you just go in a little bit more into that? Because um, I feel like there's like that—that's that, kind of an issue with a lot of different uh, ethnic uh, demographics. You mm-hmm. know where. Marketers might not necessarily tailor their mm-hmm. efforts for mm-hmm. you know the culture or whatever or that that group of folks. So, yeah, what are you supposed to take on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a couple, there's a couple of different things to talk about there. Uh, in some ways, Hispanic market has become the general market. Hmm. Who's to, who's to say, right? There's a couple of different schools of thought out there. Yeah. Some companies say I have a total total plan approach, which is designed to include all ethnic groups, demographics, what have you. But when you start breaking down the messaging, you have to ask yourself, is that message culturally relevant, right? And that's what we preach. Cultural relevance is at the core. Um, So you can consider Hispanics part of the general market. In many ways, they do want to be considered part of the general market. Um, We certainly want them to be in many ways um, when it comes to importance. Um, You know, we've seen in focus groups, Hispanic community will say, treat me just as importantly as you do anybody else. But you have to talk to me differently. Mm. Right, don't assume that just because something is either translated into Spanish or um, that it's, it's a, your general market buy and it's in English and I do consume English, that it will be contru- uh, culturally relevant to me. Right. So that's, that's kind of where we are. And then there's a lot of agencies out there that specialize in multicultural, both creative, and strategy, media planning, media execution, um, who have made a really good business for themselves and who have provided a great service to the community. A lot of times we see, especially with so much um, M&A activity in the advertising agency world, in the three holding, you know, big holding companies, there's agencies being bought and sold left and right, and sometimes what happens is the, the Hispanic piece might get consolidated into another division or another team where there are people who uh, don't have expertise or experience working with that market. And so again, that's where we come in. We like to come in. We—I don't want to say we go in and educate, but we evangelize, we consult, we we act as a partner to help, kind of prop them up where they need help with that.
0: Interesting. So I'm guessing it's like hiring, kind of a big part of that, or not necessarily hiring, but you know, having people on staff who can speak to uh, that, that experience—is that, is that kind of part of what you guys would come
1: in and? No doubt. Um, If we want to continue to consider ourselves, when I say ourselves, I'm referring to the Yahoo U.S. Hispanic Business Unit. Mm -hmm. If we want to consider ourselves subject matter experts, we have to hire people who have uh, experience working in this business, relationships with the right people. Um, You know, I think now, more than ever, diversity and and inclusion is more present in corporate America than it ever has been. And I think that's important when you're talking about this, this industry because... Um, you know, it's important that we not only are experts on the subject matter, but that we have Latinos and Hispanics who, who work in our division, who speak Spanish or native Spanish speakers who grew up in Hispanic households, mm-hmm. um, you know, to hear our, some of our salespeople tell tell the Hispanic story. They're telling their own story, which right. gives them credibility. Uh, so, yes, that's, it's very important. Definitely got to hire the right people. It's not something I think that just everybody can do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, what do you think are, you know, some of the ways that marketers can optimize their messaging around the Hispanic community Um, that they necessarily haven't done, like, so far?
1: It's, you know, we get get the question, well, first of all, let me start with cultural relevance. Mm -hmm. Cultural relevance is everything. Way back in the day, you know, I made reference to a time when immigration was a driving force. Back then... It was more about language. It wasn't 100% about language, but it was a lot more about language then. It was somewhat the closest thing you could get to a silver bullet with reaching the Hispanic market in the U.S., but now that's out the window. That's completely gone. That's changed. It's 15 years later, and everything's been turned on its head. Um, so I think just, just being cultural rele- culturally relevant, whether you're in Spanish or in English, is, uh, is the right way to approach it. It's, it's the most. It has to be at the core of any approach you make to this market. That has to be the guiding principle. Uh, the next thing I will tell you is, I can't tell you how many meetings that I've been in where a company says, you know what, we recognize the potential, we recognize the opportunity, we're committed to doing this, and we're committed to doing it the right way, meaning we're going to put some resources behind it. Some people say that they're committed and they're into it, and then they, their actions will prove otherwise. Yeah. But if somebody comes to us and says, we're ready, we have the money, we have the team, we have the you know willingness and inclination to do this, Should we do this in English or in Spanish? And the answer invariably is, it depends. What is the product or service being offered? Who is your target? Are you trying to reach someone who's older? Are you trying to reach someone who's younger? Are you trying to reach males or females? What is the context within which your messaging should be considered? There's so many different ways to reach people now. um, And so many different, you know, are you selling cars? Are you selling financial services? It's... It's a very, very nebulous conversation, that, and it's one that requires a lot of thought and, and research. So, I think a lot of times that's part of why people are hesitant to get into it. Once they scratch the surface and look at it, and they go, oh, wow, that's, that's Pandora's box, that's a little yeah. deeper than we thought. Um, you know, that can be an inhibitor sometimes.
0: And I, I, I would wager that part of that, that uh, nuance would go into actually defining what is culture, culturally rev, 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 relevant. That's not even a word. You know what I'm saying. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I will just, you know, I wonder, you know, what are some of the most conversations around trying to find what is culturally re- relevant? And, you know, how do you toe the line between, like, you know, stereotyping and things like that? You know?
1: It's a good question. And that's something that every advertiser should consider when talking about the Hispanic market or thinking about hi- approaching the Hispanic market. We just did a study um, in addition to the third-generation insights study, we also did a video study and we shared some case studies. We showed some examples. Um, and we showed those examples to focus groups, and we found that um, it's, it's really, really nuanced. It's, really, it, it's somewhat complex and tricky for, for a creative agency to come up with a message that will reach all different levels of uh, acculturation, but at the same time be relevant, be effective, get the message across, Look great um, and not be kind of talking down, or, right. or what we say is Hispandering to <laughs> the Hispanic community, right? <laughs> Um, there's definitely a sensitivity there don't, uh, there's a term that I've heard used in focus group called whitewashed where it's like if you're going to choose a spokesperson, don't choose a spokesperson that you think is acceptable for you and your company and the rest of America and then try to make that person relevant to me necessarily if they're not Hispanic enough, if it doesn't come off as authentic, Mm -hmm. you've created more problems than than you solved with your your efforts so it can be counterproductive Um, you know, if if you're not set up on the back end with resources to handle the influx of of business that you should anticipate if you approach the Hispanic market, that's also counterproductive. If you have messaging in Spanish, make sure you have people ready to serve this community in Spanish. Um, You know, don't don't do a, you know, a Hispanic website with a Hispanic message asking people to come to your website and then have the website only available in English. Simple things like that are very important. Um, so that th- those are kind of uh, some of the things that we've seen. Uh, I'm speaking specifically about that study that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was very interesting. I think there's a hesitation for companies to try to reach the Hispanic market in English, um, at least make a specific play okay. to do so. Because uh, going back to what I said earlier, I think a lot of companies will believe that their English language media is enough. Um, you know, just because something is in English. To everybody that speaks English, doesn't mean yeah. that it's culturally relevant. We yeah, have a lot of different cultures that speak English, right? The same exact thing applies to the Hispanic community. Um, so that's that's really again, it has to be the guiding principle is cultural relevance, most important. single most important thing.
0: So, <clears throat> you know, especially the last few years, like you said, like you mentioned, uh, you know, diversity has been a pretty big topic mm-hmm. uh, in business. Uh, and marketing, I'm sure, as, as well. Uh, you saw the Super Bowl ads this year and last year. Mm-hmm. But um, with that comes, you know, the political climate. And it's kind of elephant in the room where brands who in any kind of way take a stance on something, or not even like a stance, they just are speaking to a certain demographic in a kind of way. Like you, you saw what happened with the, um, um, I think it was Refinery 89, I believe, the ad Super Bowl about... Um, uh, the Look, eighty four lumber, eighty four lumber. Sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and um, you see what happens when, when a brand does something like that. So, if you're a company and you recognize the value of the Hispanic market and how you know, like you said, uh, one point uh, two trillion or something like that, 2020. Like Jesus, like if you see that, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is important. We should, you know, put some effort in here and, and be authentic, and you do it and you nowadays you kind of run a risk of some backlash it seems or at least on social media from you know people who are galvanized by the political climate
1: what what do you do in the situation you know or what are your thoughts on it at least i think everybody's approach should be different and you know there's the old adage you can look at this both ways there's the old adage that says uh, no such news is bad news like any any news is good news mm-hmm. and i would say you know you brought up 84 lumber I think a lot of people around the United States didn't know what 84 Lumber was yeah. until that spot hit. All of a sudden, there were the talk of the Super Bowl. That's that's a huge deal. Um, the site and then went down. the site went down. Yeah. Exactly, exactly my point. So in a way, they accomplished part of their goal. I assume. I don't know what their objective was exactly, but obviously, part of it was to, is to spread the word and get their brand out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. They did that. That's for sure. Um, within what context? Were people upset with him? Did people appreciate the ad? You know, everybody has a different perspective on it. Yeah. What I think is super interesting about sticking with the theme of the Super Bowl is if you'll recall, there was a lot of uh, controversy in the lead up to the Super Bowl about the spot that Anheuser Bush was going to run hmm. because it had an immigration theme. And immediately people, you know, to your point, with the internet and Twitter and people, you know, the hashtag started, you know, s- something about being anti Bud Light. Um, once the eighty-four lumber spot hit, in contrast, the A B spot seemed a lot less <laughs> controversial in my in my personal view. Yeah. And um, in fact, I thought it, I thought both of them were, were great spots and yeah, um, generated yeah. a lot of attention. And certainly was a departure for a brand like Bud Light, who traditionally has been funny and you know kind of tongue in cheek, if you will. Yeah. So all that said, um, I think that. As far as a response to people and backlash and things like that goes, I think, you know, I'm lucky enough in my role that we do enjoy a a great set of partners on the PR front, so I think you probably want to have your ducks in a row there. Um, You know, I'm not qualified to say what a company should or should not do in the event of a backlash, but I think my advice would be just make sure that you get some focus groups under your belt before you go to market with your message. Talk to people. Do some real work. There, there's a lot of things that apply to uh, preparing an ad campaign for the Hispanic market that may or may not apply in the traditional advertising space, and, and that's an important distinction to be made. Yeah. Just make sure you're careful. Make sure you're considerate. Make sure you're not, you know, you're never going to be able to please everybody. Somebody's always going to have some, something to say on Twitter, no matter what. We've, we know that. Yeah, We've seen that. But at the same time... Um, if a brand is willing to take a take a stand on, on moral ground and s- or side with one issue versus another, um, that's high risk, high reward. Um, I think it was probably a calculated move on 84 Lumber. I'm sure they, I mean, I would assume that they anticipated some form of yeah. emotionally charged response, be it good or bad, but at the end of the day, their brand is out there. And a lot of people were talking about 84 Lumber that had never heard of that company before.
0: Yeah, still are, you know, and... Um I think uh, what you said kind of speaks to it as well, where you know authenticity is a big thing. You know, as long as invariably, yeah, you're gonna somebody's gonna be upset. You know, y- you could do nothing, and somebody's gonna be like, "Hey, this brand's not doing enough." Why aren't you, you doing? Yeah, something? yeah, and it's gonna <laughs> something's gonna happen. So, but I think the, like the figures you speak to about 2021.7 trillion, like that's a huge market, and like you said, it's kind of a mixed market at this point as well. Mm-hmm. You know, with um, the multiculturalism, so. No, I think, I think this is a great a great topic, and it's, it's something I feel like marketers should pay attention to. So um, I really appreciate you, man. Uh, ah, it's glad, my pleasure. Glad you sat down with us and got into this pretty kind of heavy topic, you know? <laughs> and, uh,
1: it's what we do. It's uh, To me, it, it is heavy only because I'm passionate about it, and I've been doing it for a long time. So.
0: Oh, it's good work. Uh, we need more of it, I would say. I agree. I right, appreciate you, Matt. All right. nice, Thank man. you. My pleasure. I'm